This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only nationally syndicated golf talk radio and television program. Presented by Acura. Precision crafted performance. Visit Acura.ca for our latest lineup, special offers, and dealer incentives. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Good morning, Canada. Well, it's that time of year where we break down the year that was. It is our year in review special. Uh, one of many parts that you'll be hearing over the winter here on Golf Talk Canada across the TSN radio network. Myself, of course, with always Mr. Bob Weeks and Adam Scully joining our year in review roundtable. Before we jump into this, because uh, over our year in review specials, we'll be talking about uh, obviously performances of the years, tournament of the year, uh, letdowns, uh, disappointments, uh, cup half full, surprises, uh, everything and anything in the world of golf. We'll talk some Canadiana. But Bob, when we look back at 2017 and uh, just take a snapshot in your mind, what pops out? Is there a theme? Is there a tone? Is there something where you go, yeah, 2017 was the year of blank? I think on the PGA Tour, it was probably the year of guys who were hot for periods of time. Like you start start of the year, we had Hideki Matsuyama coming off a tremendous uh, November and December. We had Dustin Johnson running the table before he got injured at Augusta National. You had um, Justin Thomas at the start and the end of the year doing some amazing things. Nobody able, was able to sustain it for the entire year, which is something, of course, we probably haven't seen since the days of Tiger Woods. But um, that, to me, was certainly from the PGA standpoint. And then if you look at the, the rest of the world of golf, I mean, I think there were a number of themes. One, rules played a big part in many different ways. The last the, few years. Yeah, the LPGA yeah. Tour. Now we've got also the introduction of some new rules coming in that we know about. Um, so there were a number of different things over the course of the year that I think you could see it say sort of weave themselves through from January to December. Yeah, for me, the first half of the year, Skull, for me, mm-hmm. is Team Canada swinging hard. Yep. I don't know if that's a theme for the whole year. I know you and I have talked many times, Bob, about what a great year for Canadian golf on all tours it was, et cetera, and, and I'm sure that's something we'll talk about in, in our upcoming specials in this year in review wrap. But if you look at the first handful of months of the season, Mac Hughes winning, uh, Adam Hadwin with the 59, and then the win at the Valspar. Team Canada out of the blocks, like with knockout blows. And unfortunately, uh, although they got a ton of experience and, and got to play major championship golf over the summer, and of course, Hadwin with the nice cherry on top of the end of the President's Cup, which I thought was great. Uh, it, it was unfortunate because I thought we were heading for maybe a third and fourth win even. We got the two. We got mm-hmm. the 59. It was fun for you, Skull. Before we get into our first uh, award here, so to speak, on the year review, is there a theme, a tone when you look back that, that leaps out at you? Well, as Bob said, the uh, it was sort of the year of the streak, if you will. Uh, I mean, Justin Thomas really coming out of the gate uh, in Hawaii, coming out the way he did, Dustin Johnson with his three straight wins. Um, and then, as you said, with Team Canada having Adam Hadwin, yes, he won. Yes, he, he actually almost won at Bay Hill when he when he uh, hit the hit the flag stick on, I believe it was the 16th hole. He almost got a hole-in-one on, on the Sunday, the final round. He sort of fizzled out uh, a little bit, so to speak, in the middle of the year. But then you look at Brooke Henderson for Team Canada. You know, another two-win season. Uh, just unbelievable to think that she's 20 years old and second all-time in LPGA Tour wins as a Canadian, which is just remarkable. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd say it was the year of the streak and the year of Team Canada really shining. I want to get back to that year of the street because I have a question for you guys that I'll throw out there later to uh, this morning on the show. Uh, I, I think I have the answer that you're going to give me already. But before we get to that, there's lots to get to today. They're going to be doing comeback player of the year, letdown of the year, tournament 
of the year, Canadian Golf Story of the Year. And, of course, we'll talk Tiger, which, uh, you know, recently broke that uh, he is back. And we have uh, Chris Angel Mindfreak with us today, Bob, uh, otherwise known as Adam Scully, who (laughs) predicted that he would return at the Hero World Challenge, which I think is absolutely insane. We will get to that later. But let's start with performance of the year. Now, we left this very vague because this could be a four-day performance. This could be a one-round performance. It could be uh, a match, a team performance, uh, if we're talking, you know, what maybe a, a, a twosome did in the President's Cup, etc. So uh, it was wide open. We'll start with you, Bob. For you, just if you're handing out the hardware, performance of the year, uh, how, not only what is your performance, but how did you come about it? Why did you go down the path you chose? So, so I, I decided that I would limit it to one round, a single round, because mm-hmm. I, I thought that was kind of a microcosm of what we wanted to put together here was just sort of this is a great day for this guy. This was a great performance. And I think there were better choices in that category if you limited it to just one round as opposed to a tournament performance. Um, and the two that stood out for me, um, you know, at first I thought about Brandon Grace's 62, but I, I mm. threw that out the window. And I'll get into that in another show because we're going to talk about kind of overrated things at one point here. <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, the two that stood out for me were Hideki Matsuyama shooting 61 at the Bridgestone. Mm. Um, which I thought was just a yes. remarkable performance. And he, it wasn't even so much the number that he shot, but coming down the stretch, how many times he hit it to, like, kick in distance. Mm-hmm. Which Hideki has to do to shoot 61. Exactly. He could exactly. make 30 footers. And, right. exactly. and he was Jordan bombing it off the tee. He was hitting it like 350 on the pro tracer on a straight yeah. arrow, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. I mean, that was as good as a round as I, as I think I saw this year, even though it just tied the course record set by Tiger Woods, which, coincidentally, Hideki was playing with Tiger the day he set that record of 61, yes. which is kind of interesting. And then the other one, of course, is Adam Hadwin's 59. Hmm. Um, you know, I thought that that was a, obviously we're biased because it's a great sure. performance, but a par 72 course to shoot 59 on was was a, a, an amazing thing to watch. And I guess it's one of those ones where because he was a Canadian, we were sort of dialed in, even though uh, NBC at the time wasn't showing him yeah, until, like the, until the last four holes. But those are the two that stood out for me. It was interesting because I was on the uh, PG Tour radio right. broadcast that week, but I wasn't in La Quinta. I was in the studio <laughs> in D.C. doing hosting duties yeah. from the studio in D.C. And uh, to, to Bob's note with NBC, all of a sudden, you know, they have one camera at that property because, you know, three golf courses in rotation in, in, in the uh, the old Hope. And they had no crews out there. They had nothing. And then finally they have a camera set up on the last hole and we're calling Adam's second shot into the green, his chip and his putt. And that's it. We're calling it off <laughs> a monitor in D.C. Scully, performance of the year. And did you go down the same road, road as Bob? It was a round of golf or a week of golf? Yeah, it was a round of golf for me as well. And for me it goes back to the final round of the Open Championship. Uh, Jordan Spieth, just just the whirlwind of the round it was. Starting off with his first tee shot. He hits this three-wood. He absolutely loves it. Club twirls it. The ball sits in the rough Hangs and up on the doesn't slope. move. And, yeah. and he's just yelling at Greller. And, and Michael Greller is looking at him like, okay, let's let's get over this. Let's get through it. Then, of course, you get to the 13th hole, the, the half-an-hour fiasco, going back to the range and making the bogey of a lifetime and apologizing to Kuchar. And then on 14, near, nearly holing out. Crazy, and then the eagle, and 
birdie and a birdie. It was an unbelievable display of golf. And that sort of atmosphere with that sort of pressure on you with, with what's happened to him in the past, failing at the Masters last or in 2016, uh, what a round there by Jordan Spieth. Well, I know the final round of the Open Championship is certainly going to come up across these mm-hmm. shows, the year interview shows uh, again. It won't come up for me in performance of the yeah. year, I can tell you that. But, but I hear what you're saying, yeah. you know, and uh, and again, how you deem the word performance. Uh, it was certainly the biggest bounce back I saw all year within the same structure of a round. From going to your D to your A in the flip of a switch was mm-hmm. outstanding. We'll get into that later. For me, I've been redundant on this yep. all year. The performance of the year in a single round for me was Charlie Hoffman. You guys have heard me say this all year. I just couldn't believe you. When you beat the best players in the world in the field uh, stroke average by 10 shots <laughs> on the worst day I've ever seen at Augusta. And when I talk about the opening round at the Masters this year and I think about Mackenzie Hughes and I think about Adam Hadwin making their first competitive turn around Augusta National, what a way to be introduced to that property. What a way to maybe have a skewed uh, version or vision of what that golf course is because it played nothing like Augusta National plays traditionally in the opening round of the Masters. Uh, it was the biggest bear we probably saw on tour this year, especially considering what a letdown Aaron Hills was without the wind and, mm-hmm. and the weather in Aaron Hills. Aaron Hills was super soft. Uh, the Open Championship, beautiful weather. We always know the Open Championship, if it doesn't have uh, Mother uh, Nature beating it up, you're going to get low scores, thus Brandon Grace. Uh, the PGA is the sternest but fairest setup traditionally. It's always fair, leaning towards the players. Uh, and maybe just some uh, some common sense and setup, so to speak. The Masters to have it to, to suggest that Augusta National was the harshest setup all year of of all the majors in the opening round is kind of uh, silly to hear Crazy. yourself say that. It's it's not usual. However, that's what we had. Mm-hmm. And Charlie Hoffman goes out and shoots sixty five that day. It was an absolute machine. And you know, for a guy who's never won a major. He has played very well under tough conditions and tough setups and has had good top five, top mm-hmm. ten performances over the last few years in majors. Still not the W, but what a wonderful day for... I know you and I, Bob, were shaking our head that day at Augusta. We couldn't believe that. It was hard, to, hard just to stand up walking, let alone hit a yeah. golf ball around. Well, uh, I, I, remember, I remember after the round, uh, Roy McIlroy was quoted as saying, holy bleep, yes, you shot yeah. what? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What, what course is he playing? <laughs> now, uh, just to quickly get back, only a few minutes left here in our opening segment, uh, but you were talking about streaks off the top yeah. and, uh, and that the year of streaks. And, and then, you know, you can almost break up the season into chunks and segments. It doesn't feel like a whole season of PGA Tour golf. That being said, one of the most impressive streaks we saw all year was Dustin Johnson earlier in the year Mm -hmm. winning three in a row, looking like the most dominant player we've seen in quite some time, dare I say, suggesting since maybe Tiger in in a short period of time, Mm -hmm. where he was the favorite hands down every time he was going to put the ball on the ground. Then it rains on Wednesday night at Augusta, and he falls downstairs and has to withdraw. So I will ask you guys this. uh, If Dustin Johnson does not Ooh. fall down the stairs at Augusta. Does he go on to win major, at least one, multiple more victories, and become the player of the year? Does that fall down the steps completely change what could have been the dominant year of Dustin Johnson? You know, I'll, I'll say it. I think he could have probably won the Masters. He was playing that well, and it's a good golf course for him. But after you win a major, you know, your, your schedule gets taken out of, uh, out of whack. So I think hmm. that maybe... 
it would have been a stretch, but I think he certainly could have won a major uh, a lot. would have been better bet to win a major had he not fallen down the stairs, obviously. Well, so, he, golf is a game of coulda, woulda, shoulda. Uh, you know, I, as Bob said, I, uh, DJ was definitely the favorite to win the Masters. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, it's, anything could have happened. Uh, I think he definitely would have had one major in the in the bank because he had to take several weeks off after to recover the back. But uh, certainly one of the strangest uh, turn of events, I guess you could say, it was almost one of the OMG moments of the year uh, after uh, when that news came out that he wasn't going to play at, at the Masters. Yeah, and this is all due respect to Justin Thomas because I was the one who handed him Player of the Year probably before anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think if he doesn't fall down those steps, maybe you know, maybe he certainly doesn't win at Augusta. He should have won at Augusta. He was a favorite. But I just think that derailed his momentum. Mm-hmm. And I think we could have seen probably a victory from him, or at least down the stretch, beating heads with Kepka at Aaron Hills. That was that golf course was built for him. Thus, a Kepka winning. They have such similar games. I think he could have probably saw five or six victories in a major, sure. which would have put him right there with Justin Thomas. I thought that was just a turn of events that really kind of broke the streak mm-hmm. of the year when we're talking about streaks. Now, lots coming up. Of course, letdown of the year. We're going to talk some Tiger, Canadian golf story. But on the other side, we're talking comeback player of the year. There's a few names you could toss around in this category. And if we're talking comeback player of the year, i.e. calendar year of 2017, well, who knows? Maybe that person hasn't stuck up his hand yet, and we're a few weeks away from that. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was brought to you by Acura. Precision, crafted performance. Visit Acura.ca for our latest lineup, special offers, and dealer incentives. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of Golf Talk Canada is brought to you by TaylorMade and the all-new P790 irons with speed foam technology. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to GTC Year in Review. Uh, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, Adam Scully as we break down the year that was. Uh, just talking performance of the year previously and streaks, but there's always new names in the world of golf. We got... Man, we got familiar with a few of them this year. Uh, Xander Shoffley stands out in my mm. mind simply because, you know, especially being at Eastlake and watching that final round and seeing a kid win twice in his rookie campaign and one of them being the Tour Championship. Uh, not a big guy, hits it an absolute mile and uh, quite the performance. And there was more names uh, than Xander Shoffley that kind of appeared out of nowhere that we're going to have to get used to. But there was also comeback players of the year. Players that, you know, maybe... You know, had a, I don't want to call it a career year, but a year that maybe we didn't see coming that all of a sudden threw their hat back into the ring. So, Scully, talking comeback player of the year, where did you go with this? Why did you go that way? And was it, was it a hard one for you? Was this a hard category for you to go, yo, that's the guy or gal for that matter? For me, it was fairly easy. This is a guy who came off some major shoulder uh, surgery. He got a win early last year by the name of Pat Perez. Uh, one win, six top tens, 15th in the FedEx Cup in 2017, a cool $4.3 million. Plus, he's carried it over into the start of this wraparound season, winning the CIMB, T5 at Nine Bridges, T24 at WGC HSBC. But the thing I almost love the most about him is his honesty in interviews. He was quoted at the, at the Tour Championship as saying, I don't like to work out. I like to sit. I like to have a bad diet. And after he won uh, overseas, he was asked, are you going to change anything? He said, no, 
I'm gonna have fun. I'm gonna have a bad diet. I'm gonna enjoy my friends. And and he's he's a he's a breath of fresh air for golf in that sense and for sports in general because uh, the sports world is so used to athletes with their major cliches and not really saying anything in, in interviews. But Pat Perez is someone who's actually honest and it's someone who people can maybe even learn from that sort of thing just to sort of speak their minds on uh, when they're being interviewed. Yeah, I think it's hard to go against Pat Perez personally. I mean, this category, he's the guy that kind of. You know, jumped out obviously for mm-hmm. me, especially what he's done recently. Like you said, with the win in this in this wraparound schedule, you know, forty one years old made it to the tour championship. Yep. Come yep. on, top thirty, uh, and I love his transparency. Like you suggested, he's hilarious. You know, uh, you know, I don't look like those guys. I don't work out. I don't he's got the great know. flow. He's got the flow. Yeah, and, 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 and something that's improved with him as well is that he's he still his, his temper still isn't his best asset. He used to be a bit more of a hothead, if you will, but I think he's calmed that down enough that he can bounce back from making a poor bogey. He's still got that that flair and sort of he gets really ticked off at times, but he doesn't throw as many clubs maybe nowadays. Well, yeah, certainly. I think, you know... He digests things a little yeah. easier being out there for so long. <laughs> yeah. Bob, was this a slam dunk for you with Pat Perez? Had, and were there other people in the running? Yeah, I mean, Pat Perez certainly got the most, I think, the most attention, not the least of which is because of those outrageous comments that he makes and stuff that are so different. But I'll throw another name out there that a guy who uh, won for the first time since 2006, Rod Pampling, an Australian guy oh, yeah. who yeah. at 47 won Las Vegas. He's a guy who's been out there you know, as a pro for 22 years. He's been back and forth the last few years, sort of playing web tour events, playing PGA Tour. And to get through and win at 47, uh, I mean, and really out of nowhere, mm-hmm. perhaps, I would think, at Vegas last year was was really something to watch. And so there's, I don't know if if, uh, if comeback player, it's a long time since he's <laughs> for him to come Certainly, back, more that's... than 10 years, but, uh, but a pretty impressive performance. Now, curious with you guys, because we will do predictions, as we always do, uh, oh, yeah. as we do our year in view specials, as we go out through through the winter and the offseason and suggest what we anticipate in 2018. So before we kind of get to that, though, Tiger Woods, we're going to talk Tiger later on in the year interview specials in mm-hmm. today's show, to be uh, a matter of fact, of what we expect to see from Tiger at the Hero World Challenge, as well as you know what would be a success for Tiger. You know, playing mm-hmm. all four days without being carted off, as far as I'm concerned, Absolutely. is a success. Yeah. We'll get into yep. that. However, if Tiger Woods... And this is ridiculous because I don't believe that this is even possible. But I'm going to throw it out there because I know there's people listening this morning that actually believe what I'm going to say is possible. I don't. If Tiger Woods were to win the Hero World Challenge, a non-official PGA Tour event, in the calendar year 2017, so I understand that we're not talking about the PGA Tour season here, but the calendar year 2017, because of the size of that story, is he the comeback player of the year winning a what is it, 17, 18-person field? is all, Bob, is he no. the comeback player of the year if that goes down? No, because that's, that's as, you, as you just pointed out at the end there, it's only 18 players in the field. Most of them are kind of hit and giggle out there. It's just, it's a fun event. It's a, you know, it's it's the new version of the skins game, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I mean, guys are trying, guys are playing, and, and there's some money to be won, but it's not an official event. There's no real pressure on these guys, so no, it doesn't for me anyway. Having said that, I remember when Tiger won uh, the Hero, it was his first win post-scandal. Right. And I remember how the fist pump he gave. I wouldn't say he'd be the comeback player of the year. It'd be quite a story. It would be remarkable to think that he'd go from... Maybe headline of the year? It would. That could be. It, it could be the headline of the year. It, it could be, you know, propelling for next year to think, holy crap, this guy came back and won his first start since the uh, the fourth back surgery and the DUI and everything that happened. Uh, but winning, yeah, 
I'd have to wait and see because that'd be unbelievable. I'm going to give you one name now, and I'm going to tell you why I'm giving you that name because we are in the comeback player of the year story. I'm going to give you the name Jason Day because Jason Day for me will be the 2018 Mm. comeback player of the year. Now, I know that sounds funny. He's still a star of the sport. He's still, you know, uh, making it pre-qualifying for all the majors, World Golf Championship events. But after this season, he has fallen outside the top 10 in the world officially. Mm -hmm. This was a player that was number one. He has not won a golf tournament since the Players' Championship of 2016. We're, We're approaching two years without a victory for Jason Day. I think Jason Day wins multiple times in 2018. And I think he's going to be the comeback player of the year. Around the horn here, Skull, starting with you. Top of mind, is there a player that you anticipate a bounce back to win this category a year from now? You're handing out the hardware 12 months from now to the comeback player of the year of 2018. Who is that player? I'd go with Rory McIlroy. Uh, he he had such a unique year this year going uh, you know, uh, with the, the new gear, uh, new caddy. He got married. He had the injury. Things were just sort of all over the place for Rory, um, but I think with a couple months or months of stability in terms of training and the off season, the off season that he gets, uh, I think that Rory could be the guy to come and maybe win a couple PJ Tour events, and who knows, maybe a green jacket in, in April. Ooh. I'm going to go Bubba Watson. I think Bubba oh, is a oh. guy who had a terrible year this year, and there's a lot of different theories as to why that happens. Some of it, his diet where he cut out all sugar, some of it the golf ball that he was using. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think he's just too good a player to play that consistently poorly again for another year. Oh, this is good. So you got to go on record on this. Let, let the record show that Bob suggested 20. Because later on, when we get into later on in our year in review specials, when we get the 28 predi- 18 predictions, Bob's going to look at me sideways. Because <laughs> I have a Bubba oh, no. prediction for 2018 that might be a little different than what Bob is suggesting. All right, lots to get to uh, still here in our uh, early part of our year in review specials. We're going to do. Uh, talk some more Tiger, obviously. A lot of Canadian stories this year, and I'm curious to see where you guys are going to go with this because there were so many different ways you could have gone on Canadian stories. Like, I don't even... We could do a whole show on just the Canadian yep. year in review. Easy. Do several shows. Uh, if you're looking at amateur golf, professional golf, all the tours... Uh, some of the drama with legendary courses like Glen Abbey, etc. There's so many places to go. So we're going to get into that, try to do it in a segment. Good luck on that, boys. But coming up next, we're going to do let down of the year or disappointment of the year, mm-hmm. however you want to to put it. And there's so many different ways you could go here. There was a lot of high notes uh, in 2017. Some of them we've already mentioned with the early part with Hadwin and 59s and Hughes wins and things of that nature. But there was a bunch of letdowns as well. We'll get into them next. This is Golf Talk Canada Year in Review. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by TaylorMade and the all-new P790 Irons with Speed Foam Technology. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of Golf Talk Canada is brought to you by Moto Caddy and Stewart Golf Dream Machines, the Canadian market leader in electric walking golf trolleys. Sold in over 30 countries around the world, they offer the widest selection of golf trolleys for players of all ages, abilities, and budgets. For more information, visit jpsmgolf.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to GTC Year Review Special. All right, let's get uh, all Scrooge and Grumpy on our audience, boys. Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, Adam Scully. 
And we're talking letdown disappointment of the year. And although 2017, I thought, had some amazing highlights, especially in the first half, uh, second half of the season, there was a lot of letdowns for me. And I could have went many different ways uh, in this category. But I'm going to go with a gentleman who we just finished the last break with, the last segment with, Adam Scully mentioned, Rory McIlroy as comeback player of the year for him next year, as he predicts. And I'm saying to Scully, I hope he's right because he better be because what a letdown it was mm-hmm. for Rory. I would suggest to you, and you could you know argue with me or, 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 or tell me if I'm wrong, outside of Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, uh, I would put Rory maybe next in line or in the same category as the most naturally gifted. Maybe DJ you could put in there as mm-hmm. well. But is the most naturally gifted athlete born to play this game. Uh, just tremendous tee to green. Uh, has shots that no one else has. Uh, you know, brought up with a to, with a golf club in his hand to be a champion golfer from the wee age of whatever, right? In the Hollywood Golf Club Hills in Ireland, right? Um, and here we go, winless. Uh, the big elephant in the room uh, is Augusta, which Scully alluded to in the, in the previous segment. And, you know, has it become too big an elephant in the room, Augusta? Is his whole season about the Masters? Uh, is that part of it? Uh, to go winless, to fall out of the conversation, really, when it comes to favorites as we head into major golf championships. Absolutely ridiculous. And it all comes down to this. And Bob and I, Utah, and I talked about this. We exhausted this. <laughs> all year, he is near dead last or, or dead last or near dead last. In, in wedge categories from 120 yards in, in putting, in all these categories where if you're not good in those categories, you're not taking advantage of your distance and abilities off the tee. Why did DJ win three in a row this year? Why has DJ all of a sudden <laughs> elevated himself to number one player in the world? He's always hit it 900 miles. Look at his wedge and putting numbers in the last 24 to 36 months compared to the first part of his career. They're night and day. He has so many shots now inside 120 yards, so much control with the wedges. He's a better putter. And the fact that he did go off to a cut off the tee to find more fairways is mm-hmm. certainly part of it. I'm not going to argue the fact that he isn't a better overall driver with the cut versus the draw. But the fact of the matter is Rory McIlroy can dominate a field with his driver. But if you're hitting it 340 down the middle and putting sandwich in your hand so you can miss greens and hit it to 37 feet, you're not going to win golf tournaments. Rory McIlroy, for me, I'm a huge fan. I love uh, listening to him. He's transparent and in our business. To get somebody unfiltered that tells you something is, is, is a joy. He's a great guy, a, a great ambassador, a great player. What a disappointment, and I'm praying to God that Scully's right, that he's the comeback player of the year, because he's my disappointment. (laughs) All right, Bob, uh, who is your disappointment of the year? I went a little bit of a different route. My disappointment of the year, my letdown of the year, was actually an incident. Oh, hmm. and it you're not was... going to talk about the time I spilled coffee on you, right? Or the time uh, I ate the last piece of cheesecake at the cheesecake factory. I'm going to leave that for the right. overrated performance of the year. <laughs> but uh, no, the for me the the uh, the oh. letdown of the year was the LPGA's handling of the Lexi Thompson ruling mm. in the uh, major championship. Bravo. How that came about, not disputing for a minute the fact that Lexi broke the rules. She did that. But how they handled it, telling her in the middle of a fairway, coming down the stretch a day after it happened, and allowing that whole situation just to take over the entire tournament 
um, to me was just the biggest disappointment and letdown. And the LPGA Tour, they're going to come up again and later on in some other categories as well. <laughs> it was not a great year for the people running those some of those tournaments. But that, to me, was the biggest one. And how you let that happen at a major championship, how you let it go with someone calling in, um, finding this ruling, and how it all transpired. And poor Lexi, I felt sorry for her. Yes, she did break the rule. But tell her that when it happens, that you know, before she signs her scorecard. Once you sign your scorecard, I think Absolutely. all that stuff should go out the window. And it really had a uh, just a huge, no- terrible effect on that tournament. I couldn't agree with you more. And I can't understand why golf has to be different than other sports. Other sports, they have uh, certain things, mechanisms in place to try to get calls right the first time. And then they some some sports have a mechanism to get calls right the second time in terms of replay, et cetera. But it happens, and it's contained within the body of the game itself. Uh, th- there's not an outside agency or an after-the-fact. The game's over three periods, and the Leafs win 4-3, but the next day it's deemed that you yeah. know something was fake, and they, and they reverse the changes. I don't understand why golf has to be different. And for all our listeners, and we have these rules maniacs out there, and I know who you are because I golf with some of you, <laughs> and, and you, you almost uh, wear a, a badge of honor Trying to you know look for trickery and holes and this, and just to, to to prove that you have some type of higher golf intellect because you know you're catching people on these things. That's not what the sport's all about. The rules are there for integrity to try to protect the field and to try to get the proper outcome. As long as the field is honestly trying to be protected and the players in that circumstance right there at that time can digest what's going on and can live with it. That's the sport. Mm-hmm. It's a sport. And I'm, I am 100% with you, Bob, and I forgot about this incident. I actually buried this in my subconscious so I could actually <laughs> not be angry. But that that's a great one. I wasn't thinking of that. I was thinking more about a player. player. Yeah. And I love that yeah. you went down that road because I would love for 2018, let's have one calendar year without one of these things. Yeah, exactly. Would that not be nice? Exactly. Scully, for you, letdown of the year. So I went back to a player, and this is a guy who was absolutely thrilling at last year's Ryder Cup for the U.S. He, was, he took part in one of the most epic matches we have ever seen, Mr. Patrick Reed. Our expectations from this year were through the roof. I even picked him to win the Masters in our, uh, in our Golf Talk Canada radio uh, Masters pool and failed miserably, by the way. Yeah, missed, uh, missed the cut. And missed, missed the, the cut, cut by about a trillion. <laughs> what, the weirdest thing with him, though, was he came out just after the Masters and said, my lies and lofts are off by two and a half degrees. How on earth is that possible for a PGA Tour player to have this? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I found that absolutely ridiculous, that and that he played for an extended period of time as well with the, with the loss yeah, and months, lies. But, uh, How do you do that? Yeah, I don't know. It's amazing because you know uh, Cameron J- Jacobs, our, our good friend at uh, TaylorMade, uh, who you know tweaks all my gear up at the along with the rest of the team, of course, up at the Performance Lab. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like a human lie loft machine. Oh yeah, I get a new club, like I get my uh, P790s, and you can give me my seven iron. I can put it down, and I can tell you if it's one degree off with my eye. Now they think I'm insane, but sure enough, they measure it. I'm right. They, they get a kick out of this. I'm like a human <laughs> lie loft machine. But I've played the game for so long with the same specs that I can actually just pick it up. Like I don't even need a machine. I can say bump that one degree, boom, boom, boom. I am not one of the most elite athletes in the world. Just throwing that out there, news break, guys. Okay, close. I'm a I chop. Mean, you're, you're pretty close. I'm a chop on a global golf scale, and this guy went months. Yeah, that's unbelievable. That, Would like, you notice? Yeah, like as a PGA Tour player, but I mean, he went on. I had four top tens, four miscuts. 
Uh, you know, it was just a very strange year. He, he shot 82 uh, earlier uh, in this wraparound season overseas as well. Just a very strange You know year. what's interesting and strange about this, too, is, is you bring up an interesting topic that we collectively, as the golf media, are always looking to hand out uh, the trampoline award at the end of international team competitions. Well, this year, that last year it went to, for the Ryder Cup, it went to Patrick Reed. He's going to take this international team competition stage that he dominated on, and he's going to trampoline that into 2017 with major victories and all these wins. Uh, Thomas Peters got that award mm-hmm. at one point. Jamie Donaldson, who yeah. barely missed his card, and you used kept it on, his card, kept on his card, <laughs> almost missed it. You used it on our year review TV special. Yeah. That was and awesome. He got it for Team Europe at one point. We've been handing these things out for years, and for some reason, Ian Poulter is the prime example sure. who has never won a stroke play mm-hmm. event on U.S. soil still to date. Why does this happen, and who's getting that award this year, guys? Because obviously, Ooh. international team at uh, Presidents Cup. We just let's just <laughs> there's nobody on that there's one. No it's one down on to twelve people, team, all right. <laughs> but from the American standpoint, you know who's getting that award? Who's getting the Springboard Award this year, and why do we do this, Bob? Well, I guess if I was uh, really being sly, I would say it's Tiger Woods, captain. Right. <laughs> <It's a> captain. <laughs> but uh, but you know, I'd go with Kevin Chapel. I think he uh, yeah. he was a guy who finally got that victory after coming so close for so many years. Got that and played pretty decently alongside Charlie Hoffman for most cases uh, at at the Presidents Cup this year. So he'd be my pick. Okay, Kevin Chapel. I, I like that pick too. I do. Uh, yeah. And, and Kevin's been super consistent yeah. for the last few years. Who's so I don't expect him to go away by any means because he hasn't. Can he uh, roll turn them into more wins? Turn into that's more what I would wins say. is the key. Yeah, that's it. All right, Skull. Who? Why do we do this, and who gets the <laughs> award? And why do we do this, and it never happens? That's a great question. I, I got to say, Daniel Berger, another guy from the 2011 high school class, and him, him and Tiger sort of have this bromance, if you will. Yes. It, it, it sounds yes. like they're they're becoming closer and closer, and 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 Berger's got that really unique golf swing, but he's got. Uh, under pressure, he's been excellent, and there were a couple of great shots in that Presidents Cup. Where I remember on that first hole, I believe it was on the Saturday, he almost holed out from standing in the water. On that first hole, it was one of the coolest shots we've ever seen. Uh, he's a guy; he's, he's an excellent ball striker, just streaky putter. Um, but looking ahead, he could definitely be that guy for sure. You know, it's interesting with Daniel Berger too, because you know, uh, and I mean this by a compliment too. There's a little bit of homemade swing going in there. And oh usually, yeah. you know, players of that elk and that and that age these days. Uh, a la Justin Thomas, or one of, they, they almost look mechanical. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're technically perfect, very sound, position by position. They're, they almost look like they were sketched in, in a factory. Uh, where Daniel Berger has that little layoff and that little whip in his transition, and he's fun to watch, and he hits it an absolute mile. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, because I think we hand out this award, and it never seems to actually come to fruition. And I think part of it is we always anticipate, we being, you know, golf media and people love the game, that the spotlight of international team competition, because so many players over the years have said it is the most pressure they have ever felt. And I think generally speaking, uh, that's that's a true statement, that these guys are being transparent and telling us something honest, that it's more pressure than they've ever felt playing uh, in a major, et cetera, that, that, that having country and teammate on your back is an overwhelming experience. But I think there is the rare occasion where someone actually finds strength and calmness in a team environment mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they actually pull from that something that they're incapable of pulling in singles competition. 
And that's why when they get out of that team environment, it doesn't seem to happen. Yep. And that's my Agreed. Dr. Phil moment for our year <laughs> in review. All right. Lots to get to coming up. What was the golf tournament of the year? Again, so many different ways you can go with this. Criteria, very vague, very open. There's lots of golf tournaments. There's majors. There's non-majors. There's team competitions. There's many tours around the world. Of course, there's our National Open right here in Canada. We'll let you know our picks for Tournament of the Year. This is our year interview special on GTC. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by Moto Caddy and Stewart Golf Dream Machines, the Canadian market leader in electric walking golf trolleys. Sold in over 30 countries around the world, they offer the widest selection of golf trolleys for players of all ages, abilities, and budgets. For more information, visit jpsmgolf.com. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of Golf Talk Canada is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories, including DigiFit Floor Liner, the most advanced concept in floor protection today. Visit weathertech.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to GTC as we break down the year of 2017 in the world of golf. And of course, there was plenty of golf played all around the world on multiple tours, male, female, etc. Team competitions, single competitions. But what was the tournament of the year? What was the one that stands out for you where you go, wow, that is the highlight, the crown jewel of 2017 when I'm talking about golf tournaments, period. Let's start with you, Scully. For you, uh, what is the tournament of the year and why? Well, for me, it was when your brother from another mother, Sergio Garcia, <laughs> went on to win the master. It was just, A, him winning his first major after so many years, as Jim Nance poetically said when he made that putt. Uh, that was just unbelievable to finally see him win. But the actual duel with him and Justin Rose going back and forth, Sergio making that pretty good bogey on the 13th hole and coming back and nearly making an albatross on the 15th hole, but making that eagle. And the, the way he sort of... It was sort of Sergio almost in a nutshell. He had the putt to win the Masters on the 18th hole, and he completely missed it from about five feet above the hole. It looked like he completely misread it. But then he bounced back and made that birdie on the 18th hole. It was just an unbelievable uh, way to kick off the year. It was poetic. It was majestic. It was uh, it was a touch of class by Sergio. It was uh, the highlight probably of my year in terms of watching golf um, and, and for him to finally put his name you know, as as a major champion, is is quite quite special. I'm just curious, Scully. Was there any tournament at all that was in the running other than the Masters for you? Was there anything else that popped in your head and, and you had to debate, or was it is it just a Masters in a slam dunk? Because I've got uh, you know, for me, and we'll get obviously to my pick, but mm-hmm. uh, I had a hard time uh, finding you know a clear cut second place when I was thinking about mm-hmm. this. I I think. Uh, quite often when I was when I was grinding this out, it was like, okay, that's my tournament of the year, and then I could throw a blanket over another eight or nine events yep. and call them the second best. Uh, that was my feeling. Did you get the same sensation, or was there one that was knocking on the door? Well, for me, actually, uh, I mean, the, the Spieth-Kucher duel was remarkable, but another Spieth duel that was pretty darn good was a Northern Trust Open with him and Dustin Johnson. 
the uh, in the FedEx Cup playoffs. So it was certainly it was a great event to watch, and especially in the playoff when DJ flew it what 340 yeah. yards over the water and had a flip wedge and hit it to about four feet. And really, one of the rare occasions in golf where we we know we're all fascinated and fixated with distance, but it is one of the rare occasions of golf where distance beats putting, and it, Absolutely. And it happened once in the playoffs. Like yeah, and, and and that was one of the cool things with the Pro Tracer as well to see the different lines that Spieth went way, way right down the center of the fairway and DJ, you know, chopped across the corner and, and flew everything by a mile. That was one of the cool things where golf technology is pretty cool. Very cool. Bob, tournament of the year, what is it and why is it, sir? So I took a little different tack because I knew you guys would probably go down the road of Masters. You're, you're looking at me like you knew I would do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I like that you yeah. do that. So uh, so I knew you'd probably go. And if I was to say right out at the top, I would say either the Masters or the Open Championship because both were riveting as far as I was concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, but I decided to go to an event that was played in May. It was called the Golf Sixes. The Centurion ah. Club. And this is the first one where the European Tour used the shot clock. Yes. In terms of innovation, you could not argue this. Could no, you? it was a wild tournament. They had uh, they they brought guys out. You know, there were six hole matches. They brought guys out with pyrotechnics and uh, announced them and, and music and yeah. everything. And they had uh, a really different format. But to me, the key was the shot clocks. I really like that. And they're going to have a whole tournament next year. It used to be the Austrian Open. It's now going to be called the Shot Clock Masters. <laughs> and I loved I loved Dustin Johnson's comments when he was asked about it a couple uh, weeks before the end of the season. In the year in the uh, Asian swing, he said uh, there's going to be a bunch of guys who are going to get some penalties in that thing if they had they had it on a PGA Tour event. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's an interesting innovation. And I remember when they brought shot clocks into curling, how that changed the sport dramatically in terms of speeding it up. So we'll see if this has any buzz. And the other one, just quickly, this was one that we forgot or I forgot on um, Golf Talk Canada TV or your interview, which was the USGA Senior Women's Championship. Dominated by Canadians, yes. four in the quarterfinals. Yes, we got called out on Twitter for that. <laughs> we unfortunately. did. Yeah. Two in Our the apologies. finals. Both finalists from ca- Canadians, Judith Carinas, who ended up winning us, and Terrell Samuel, who's from my club at Weston. Yes. So that was a, that was a pretty good performance ter- in terms of if you're looking at amateur golf. Now, both of us know Keith Pelly. You know him better than I do, but we've no- both known Keith for a very long time. Is he got a direct bat phone line to Vince McMahon? Because I think <laughs> Vince McMahon is the deputy commissioner of the European Tour. That's what it's starting to feel like a little bit. Right. Well, you know, I think I think he's starting to shake things up a little bit, and this is this has kind of been his uh, his mo over his career. You know, I'm going to throw a bunch of innovative, different stuff against the wall, and not all of it's going to stick. Mm-hmm. But when it does, you know, it makes for pretty good. And you can look around this building where we are here at yeah, TSN. See it. There's a bunch of uh, a lot of legacy from Keith Pelly here. Very much so. For me, guys, I'm going to go to the easy route. I'm not going to be as uh, creative as Bob and, and, and as intelligent an answer as that was for Bob. For me, I'm going to go straight with my gut and my emotions, and it's Sergio all the way. To just watch what that guy went through. Uh, I said this on uh, TSN television when we did our year review special. I said he was the black hat. He was the villain. He was spitting in cups. He was blaming the golf universe. He was pointing the finger at every human on the planet other than himself. He was the villain at Bethpage at the U.S. Open, the villain multiple times at the Ryder Cup, booed on this side of the world, cheered on the other side of the world, Uh, then almost sympathetic, almost pathetic at times. To come back and to do this and feel the weight of that crowd and, and and the wave of support to put him as the hero, the comeback story, the beloved veteran trying to finally get it done, I said it on TSN television, it's like Rocky knocking out Drago on Christmas Day. If I can change and you can change, we can all change, right? <laughs> it was beautiful. It was a movie script. 
and it was the tournament of the year. And with all that put aside, you take all of that out of it, I think Scully hit something on the head too. Regardless of that, you have two of the top 10 players in the world in a playoff for the year's first major. Mm-hmm. So that in itself at Augusta makes for tremendous television and tremendous golf. Also, the background of Justin Rose's history with Augusta, oh, which yeah. doesn't get spoken about oh, enough yeah. of how many times he's played well there and is yet to win. You put all that in the mix with the legacy of Sergio Garcia, and that's the tournament of the year. And, I, and you know, I, I think I would have to go outside the box the way Bob has done uh, with shot clocks and things of that nature to figure out what my second tournament of the year was mm-hmm. because I, other than other than that I could throw a blanket over about six or seven other tournaments including the Northern Trust etc and say yeah yeah that would be the second best and, so. and looking back now actually I mean the final round of the PGA Championship there were five guys atop the leaderboard tied at one point mm-hmm. yeah a Canadian Graham Dillette's up there as well Quail Hollow was definitely reconstructed and redesigned a lot of that golf course was for the PGA Championship that was definitely I guess maybe almost in the underrated category, we could say as well. That was a great tournament going uh, from start, or really from maybe the final 36 holes on. Um, but to see, you know, Justin Thomas fire through from from that uh, cluster of guys, uh, you know, including Hideki Matsuyama, and that was another great tournament. Put the cherry on the top yeah, of his season. Yeah, but that was another great tournament. Great tournament, great year. Lots more to come on the year-end review specials here on Golf Talk Canada. We'll say goodbye to our national audience, but stay tuned for Golf Talk Canada throughout the winter season here. We don't go away. Year reviews, Festivus, so much to come before we kick off Season 8 of Golf Talk Canada in 2018. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, first good decision on the golf course starts in the closet. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories, including DigiFit Floor Liner, the most advanced concept in floor protection today. Visit weathertech.ca. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Golf Talk Canada. For blogs, show archives, video highlights, and TV schedule, visit us online at golftalkcanada.ca. We'll be right back with more GTC.